Blog Talk Radio. This is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Quaglet, Jiglet, what a race! Always be Mickey on the outside. Always be Mickey. They're off and it is on. And betting line has taken the lead. Two, two, boom! Just like that. You're tuned in to Harness Racing's fastest 90 minutes post-time with Mike and Mike, with co-host Mike Carter. Believe in the spirit? Do you believe in miracles? And Mike Bozich. Smoking Gun, Shaman Hall, production Smoking Gun is flying. Here comes Smoking Gun. I don't know! That just happened! Yes, Mr. Matei, the answer to your question would be Smoking Gun <laughs> won that race. Mike Bozich along with the natural Rich Matei pinch hitting once again for uh, Mike Carter, who is on assignment. It's Thurby. I love Thurby. I know you love Thurby. You talked about it last year, and I was like, what the heck is Thurby? Well, I know what Thurby is now. It's post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Once again, Mike Bozich, the natural pinch hitting for Mike Carter. We've got a great show on tap for you today. Harnessing the Derby is the theme. What do you think? That's a pretty cool name, isn't it? That, it caught my eye. You think I, that's got yeah. potential? Yeah. All right. Harnessing the Derby. We've got a great show on tap for you. We're actually joined today by two Hall of Famers. Good, good stuff. Gordon Waterstone and uh, Jerry Connors will be joining us for some good conversation. Plus, let's see, who else? Karen Faglerion making her post-time with Mike and Mike debut. She is the uh, longtime race secretary at Freehold, and we're going to talk to her a little bit about uh, her career. They've also got the Dexter Cup coming oh, up, yeah. Rich. Yes, they a do. Good trunk going for, what, about 130000 Yeah, and then they got the Lady Suffolk as yeah, well. So it's a great card coming up on Saturday. A good Derby Day card. They race in the afternoon. It's a good day to have all those stakes racers and have yeah. all those people there yeah. for the Derby. So we're going to talk to a little uh, Karen a little bit about that. Plus our guy from Hawthorne, Jim Miller, is going to be joining us. They're getting ready to uh, start their harness meet, their uh, spring-slash-summer harness meet. And believe this or not, Mike and uh, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe Gordon could correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe that Hawthorne is the only racetrack that does the thoroughbred to harness back to thoroughbred conversion. Yeah. There used they, to be a lot of them to go back like 15, 20 years ago. Hollywood Park used to do it, I know. Hollywood Park used to do it. Uh, Sportsman's Park in yeah. Chicago used to do it. Balmoral Park did it for a stretch. Uh, Indiana Downs did it for a stretch yeah. before they went to full-time thoroughbred. A lot of racetracks did it. Yeah. You know, but uh, that's kind of a dinosaur of the past. But Hawthorne, I believe, is the last one standing there. So we'll be talking to Metal Jim Miller. does it still. They have the turf racing. Yeah, but that's not going to that, win yeah, the track. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's not going to win the track. Get with the show. Come on. They Rich. still get, do it. Get with it, buddy. Come on. Still early. You got to <laughs> you got to get with it. I know your your head's on Thurby. <laughs> so, uh, you know, get with it. Get with it. Plus, let's see. What else do we have on the program? We've got, uh, well, we talked a little bit about Thurby. Yeah. Uh, so you you and I and Mike Carter, we kind of taped the segment. And what else is going on? We've got uh, our Brower. man Dave Brower from the Meadowlands. He's going to be joining us as well. And how about the return of Handelor Hanover back to the races in the Cutler drawing post number 
well. That makes the race very interesting. Boy, it certainly does. And, you know, you never know what you're going to get from the second tier. You could get a great trip. Or you could get a not so great trip. So anyway, we're going to be talking to we're going to be talking to Dave Brower about that. But we certainly appreciate everybody joining us. It's Thurby, Mike Bozich, and Rich Matanga to take you through this next hour and a half of harness racing slash Derby talk. So don't go anywhere. When we come back, it's the Hall of Famer, our man Gordon Waterstone, on post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. At BetAmerica, we don't do promotions only for new players. As a regular player at BetAmerica.com, you can take advantage of several promotions each week. Go to BetAmerica.com slash extra and visit our promotions calendar and find out how you can get double wager reward points on our featured tracks. It's just another reason why it's time to play the BetAmerica way. Join us for the Diamond Creek Farm Open House coming up on Saturday, June 2nd, starting at 11 a.m. Family-friendly activities include raffles, hayrides, food and drinks, meat cute foals, and much, much more. It's the Diamond Creek Farm Open House, located in Wellsville, Pennsylvania. For more information, visit us online at DiamondCreekFarm.com, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. It's the Diamond Creek Farm Open House, Saturday, June 2nd. Second at 11 a.m. Be there. Over the past 25 years, Hoosier Park has revolutionized harness racing across the nation. The action returns Friday, March 30th, with racing every Tuesday through Saturday, starting at 6:30 p.m. Hoosier Park Racing and Casino. Visit HoosierPark.com for more information. New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. Retrain, Rehab, Rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. We're back on post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Rich, the natural Matane pitch hitting for Mike Carter, who's on assignment but listening in, so he does get his complimentary shout out, courtesy of Bozich and Matane. Right now, let's bring in the Hall of Famer, Gordon Waterstone. And just to clear the record, Gordon is sitting in the uh, plush offices. Am I correct? I am, I am back in the offices in Lexington, Kentucky, and uh, away from uh, what was a very hot and windy Wednesday at Churchill Downs. Gordon, I want to talk to you a little bit about. Uh, obviously, you, you you know you've you're you're in that area. I want to talk to you a little bit about the atmosphere of the Kentucky Derby, the atmosphere of the week leading up to the Kentucky Derby. I mean, I've personally, I've never been a part of it. I know the guy to my left, Rich, has been there a few times. In your opinion, tell us a little bit about that atmosphere. What's it like? 
Well, my, you know, I moved to Lexington in 1998 when I took the job at the Horseman of Fair World, so I have been exposed to it since then, and it's 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 staggering. You don't you, you see it from the outside, but once you're in Kentucky and you see what the, what the atmosphere is and and what it means to the people here, it's 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 really. Uh, impressive and overwhelming. I mean, I've gone to some Kentucky Derby parties in the past that, uh, with some friends, and, and when they sing, you know, my old Kentucky home before the race, the whole group are there. I mean, you realize how much the, the race really means to, to people, and it's, it's turned into a whole week. I mean, I, I, have, I hate to say this, but I have yet to been to the Derby itself. I've been to three Oaks days before on Friday, and that was back when Oaks days was what they called it for the locals, uh, to, to come out, you know, you'd have this massive crowd on Saturday, and then you'd have a really nice crowd on Friday. Well, Friday has now become massive crowds, and what's happened is the locals have moved to Thursday, and now they call those Thurby, Thurby Day yeah. on, on the Thursdays, uh, and it and it's become that the day for locals. And then Wednesday, which is I've always I've been going, we figured it out. It's been 20 years now. Going in the morning, we we leave Lexington uh, way way early. You know, 4:30 call yesterday and to get there at 7 to watch the horses work out. We go to the races, doing that forever. And, but the first few years, it was it was sparse there. There wasn't that big of a crowd. Um, yesterday, I don't see the exact count, but there's twenty five to 30,000 people there yesterday. So it's been it's a whole it's a whole week, week-long celebration of racing here, and it, it means so much to everybody. You know, Gordon, when the horses come onto the racetrack for the Kentucky Derby and the anthem starts to play, and, and I, when I talk anthem, I'm talking about our, the horse racing anthem, my old Kentucky home. Is that, in your opinion, the most emotional minute and a half, two minutes in all the sports? It, it is. It is. I, you know, it, it, it means a lot. Uh, like I said, even just for me as an outsider, uh, to be part of that, and, uh, you know, I, I still have – you know, hum my my themes from Michigan and Michigan State, song, but but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It it it, it means a lot, and uh, those horses come on the track, and you see the tears in people's eyes. Uh, you know, just on television, or you see, like I said, with my friends' parties, how, how emotional they they get. I mean, it, I mean, this is this is what they have here, and this is what they embrace, and uh, it, it it's great. I mean, I, I I'm so thrilled to be able to to experience what I've experienced so far. Visiting with Hall of Famer Gordon Waterstone. Gordon, let's talk a little bit. Now, the theme of the show is harnessing the Derby. So let's talk about a little bit of the potential crossover, how harness racing perhaps can take advantage of, you know, the precedent. I think the thoroughbred racing is set when you talk about the Derby and getting all those people and creating just an event. And we just talked about how it's not only just the day, but how it's Oaks Day on Friday and Thurby is Thursday. And it's just starting to turn into a week long event there in Louisville. Do you believe that there's anything harness racing can do? And I know we probably can't duplicate that event. I don't think anybody can, but do you think maybe we can emulate that event somehow or take away something from it? Yeah, you're, you're right, Mike. I mean, the Derby is the Derby and there's no, you're not, you can't even come close to, to, to emulating it and duplicating it, but you can try. I mean, you can you can come up with some things. I mean, you know, obviously the big races the, this sport has, uh, just to point out, would be like the Hamiltonian and the uh, and the Little Brown Jug. I mean, the Hamiltonian. You know, you know. I and I've always been a proponent of this, and I'm not going to say anything that I haven't said before. Is you know, racetrack should put these races as part of their card. 
you know, yeah. to, to draw more attention to it. I mean, it, it, it should it should be a no-brainer. I think, you know, I know people talked about horse shortages. Here's here's a race and that that would help and it would it would draw attention to it and to bring things up. I mean, there's other things like the Hamiltonian. I mean, in the city of Goshen, you know, there's where the Hall of Fame is. I mean, have huge Hamiltonian parties there on the on the day. There's off-track wagering. You know, Hamiltonian was born in the area. I mean, the people in that area are most familiar with the story of of the of the great horse. So, you know, you know, the, the Hall of Fame Museum, they, you know, have a party, have the OTDs, celebrate Hamiltonian all week and, and start it from there. It's got to, it's got to start somewhere and, and, and build up. I mean, we, we see the little brown jug and the week long uh, festivities that go on there and uh, how that, that, that's built through the years. And it's but the same thing, you know, Thursday afternoon, I mean, there aren't a lot of tracks racing in, in the afternoon, but, you know, put the jug. I know that the extra heats cause a Cause a, a crimp in the simulcasting with the, with the getting the program sheets out and the wagering, but but you, you gotta you gotta start somewhere. Uh, the Breeders' Crowns too. I mean, put some, those some of those races on on the cards. Visiting with Gordon Waterstone. Gordon, while we have you on and while we still have a few minutes, I did want to touch a little bit about what's going on in the state of Michigan. I know you're very well familiar with it. You had the, the big interview with John Carlo in the weekend preview at HarnessRacing.com. And, you know, obviously it, it was a big, big-time shock, I think, to all of us that out of the blue that the Hazel Park Raceway shut its doors and sold its land. And, and then, of course, a couple of weeks later, Northville with the announcement that they, too, uh, are selling their land and they're going to go till about 2019-2020 but the good thing is is that they're looking to build a racetrack from the ground up now we both know the carlos are very very dedicated harness people what do you think the chances are of this happening your, your gut feeling yeah you know mike I, I i received a couple text messages this morning from from somebody up there in inside racing that's been there a long time that uh and ask the same question, do I really think they're going to build a new track, you know, and spend the money? And my answer, and I'm going to stay to it, that yes, I, I believe they are. I mean, the Carlo family, as you said, they've been around harness racing a long, long time. You know, I, I worked for, for the John Carlo, you know, and then later for Lou. And, and I know the, the three boys, Johnny, Mike, and Ed, uh, to, to manage the track. And I've talked to Mike and, and John and and. They're, they don't want to lose racing in Michigan. They want to stay. They were looking for ground. I talked to Johnny before this announcement, and I knew that they they were contemplating that you know the possibilities because of, of selling the track. And but they were looking then. Um, and I think the, truthfully, I think the Hazel Park announcement caught them off guard because I think they were getting set to make theirs. <laughs> so it was kind of awkward. But uh, I believe that that uh, and I, there's some areas I know of, of some land they're looking at that they will build a track. It'll be a functional facility, a really nice facility, no no backstretch, just ship-ins, um, and hopefully sports wagering is going to get approved federally. And uh, Michigan's involved in that, you know, as part of that. So to get it through there, it's just a matter of Northville getting approved to be one of the sites. I know there's the casinos, you know, uh, have have have. Uh, they're 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 angst against the tracks and they like themselves, but I think there's there's enough spots that they'll have to have everybody everybody will get it and I think that'll really help. And the bottom line, well, yeah, I do believe if you ask me to make a wager with my money, yes, I'll wager on Northville Downs building a new track and just as much as I like good magic on Saturday in the Derby. <laughs> All right, that's what my last question was going to ask you. Who do you like in the Derby? You think good magic's the one, huh? 
I like good magic. I, I, I thought, you know, based on looks, um, a couple of years ago when I went that Wednesday morning and I saw American Pharaoh uh, before the, you know, on that workout day, and I thought, wow, what an awesome, impressive. I said to them, if he wins the Derby, he's, they're not going to touch this horse. I saw Justify yesterday, and he was really, really close. He was easily the most visually impressive horse I saw. But there's something about good magic. You know, he was the first horse on the track I saw yesterday. I liked him before. We went back to Chad Brown's barn, and this is why it's great to go that morning. I mean, Barbara Banky, one of the co-owners, they were out in the grass behind the barn area. We were, I stood five feet from Good Magic, and she was fed the horse treats uh, right out of her hand. And, and all the people there and the horses, it's just, yeah, it's just something about Good Magic. You know, I know the horse finished third in the Fountain of Youth, and some people had, you know, uh-oh, and, but uh, he, he was good in the bluegrass, and I think he'll be good. He's improving. That's my choice. All right. Well, Gordon, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. Best of luck to your wagers in the uh, in the Kentucky Derby. Thanks, and I'll listen to Sieg's. I know I want to hear what Rich has to say, so I'll listen in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, guys. Thanks. All right, that was Gordon Waterstone, longtime Michigan guy. I'll tell you what, the guy bleeds Michigan blue, kind of like I do now. Yeah, you're not a Michigan. You get out no, of here. You're, 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 you're the Jersey boy. It's a whole people. new world out yeah, here. Yeah, I know. It certainly is. I think we're the best. I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, you guys are the best. Yeah. You guys are the best in your own minds. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, good people out there. Great people. I'm glad to be out here. All right, we've got plenty more left on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Embed America, the longtime race secretary of Freehold Raceway. Karen Fangley runs good to join us. She is making her post time with Mike and Mike debut. Hard to believe as many contributions as she has made to the industry that she is going to be on the show for the very first time. So can't wait for that. Plus, uh, Jim Miller. Jerry Connors, Dave Brower, Derby Talk, much, much more on this Thurby edition, Harnessing the Derby, a post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Back in a moment. Mike Bozich here, along with Mike Carter for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a wheelchair or scooter? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application. If eligible, you may receive funding. Again, that's pacingforthecure.org. Mike? Are you a harness racing trainer, driver, or owner? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2017 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2018 challenge has begun and wins tally from January 1st to October 31st. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers, trainers, and owners. Once again, that's pacingforthecure.org. 12 championship races. One spectacular night. And Father Patrick got a coast home champion here. Breeders' Crown 2018 coming to the Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono. Pitching up the rail. Modern legend there. Four is again. Dead game. Clear vision right on the outside. Pit Rock on the inside. Photo finish. Foiled again at Pit Rock together.
We're back on post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with the natural Rich Matang, pinch hitting for Mike Carter, who's on assignment right now. We're joined by the race secretary at Beautiful Freehold Raceway. Her name is Karen Fagliarone. Karen, welcome to the program. How are you? Thanks, Mike. I'm great. How are you? Doing fantastic. Well, Karen, you are making your post time with Mike and Mike debut, which means that we're going to ask you a little bit about your career. Tell us how you got started in the sport of harness racing. Oh, gosh. So I'm embarrassed to say it was 1978 when I started in the backstretch. I was writing passes. My dad was a longtime horseman. My brother was a longtime horseman, both driver trainers. My uncle was a longtime horseman. I married a longtime horseman. Um, So I basically just worked my way up. Um, I started, like I said, in 1978 writing passes in the backstretch working for the New Jersey Racing Commission. And I think I probably have worked in every aspect of racing. I've been in the bookkeeping department upstairs. I've been in publicity. Uh, I've been in the dining room. (laughs) I've been um, in mutuals. Uh, I've worked in the paddock. I was the assistant for Peter Koch. And then when Peter decided that he was going to the Meadowlands, I believe that was 2007, uh, I stepped in as race secretary at that point. And you've been a freehold at all a freehold, right? been a freehold the entire time. Yes, 40 years. <laughs> wow, that is fantastic. And of course, time. now you're the right, and now you're the uh, race secretary there. And you know, it's good racing at freehold. Um, you know, and you've got a really nice race coming up uh, on Saturday. A couple of nice races coming up on Saturday. I'm gonna bring Rich Matein because he wants to talk to you talk to you a little bit about the Dexter Cup going for a purse of $133,000. Rich. Um. The one question I have for you is we had an elimination last week. And as people know, I'm the charter at Freehold on Saturdays. Um, Don, Maxis, and Perlucky got buys. What, how did you pick the horses that got buys and the horses had to be in the elimination? Okay. So the way that the rules read for the the Dexter Cup is uh, the highest money earners lifetime opt to get a buy. So you can. Uh, what, what I did was I actually called the three trainers, which was Julie Miller, Jimmy Tactor, and Trond. Um, they could either have elected to take the buy and go directly to the final, or they could have raced in the, in the elimination. That was uh, entirely up to them. All three of them did decide to take the buy and go directly into the final. Um, it's a really, uh, it's a, you know, it's a really competitive race. But as you guys know, on a half-mile track, post position means so much. Um, now, you see Aki's horse last week uh, overcame the eight hole. Uh, he draws the rail this week. So, um, you know, he, he's definitely a horse to consider. Um, Vic's winner, the winner last week, is definitely a horse to consider. He put in some a great mile. And, you know, Rich, you're the charter here. So if you saw last week, I don't know if you saw coming through the lane, Tron Smetsham's horse, he would have been third. He took a bad step. Um, yeah. So I would, you know, as a long shot, I would kind of throw him in there, too. Um you know, and then you have, of course, Nifty Norman's horse. Um, you know, he draws inside as well. So, uh, you know, I think the Dexter Cup this year is going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be um, inside horses. You know, Nifty Norman's horses have just been absolutely on fire, even here at Harris Philly, especially the horses that are making their first, second start of the campaigns. The three- and four-year-olds have just been doing outstanding for Nifty. Now, Karen, a lot of people, uh, I think a lot of people are, are a little confused about the actual role of a race secretary. Tell us a little bit about a day in the life of a race secretary, what a race secretary does, and how you go about putting together races. 
Sure, sure. Well, I can tell you that, Mike, over the years, things have certainly changed within the industry, as you you guys are well aware, um, both technology and, you know, years ago we had, literally we had papers that we stuck in a file. And if you didn't have your eligibility papers here, well, you weren't getting in. Um, so we've come a long way. Um, the problem that we have here at Freehold now is the lack of horses, which, you know, at this time of the year, everybody seems to be, having lack of horses because we're all racing, you know, uh, every track is open right now. So for me, it's a matter of, uh, kind of like a jigsaw puzzle is what I explain to people because I'll get, uh, the same as, you know, the Meadowlands and Chester. And right now we're all struggling. Uh, you'll get, you know, four enter in one class, three enter in another class, two enter in another class. And, and as race secretaries, what we need to do is we need to sit down and look at them as a whole and then kind of put them, open up conditions, put them where they belong, and make the most competitive races as you possibly can. Um, when you don't have the horse supply that we had in the past, obviously it's a, it, the job becomes much more difficult. Uh, you know, when you open up a box and you have two and 300 horses, well, you know, and they all fit the, the class, then, you know, it's an easy job. You know, you just classify the horses, you put them in, and, you know, uh, it is as it is. It's as written. Um, but... When you don't have that horse supply, you know, it becomes kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, and it's certainly kind of a tough piece job. Piece it together. Because, yeah, <laughs> you, well, you have a lot of people you have to make happy. I mean, you want to make the betters happy because, you know, I mean, it's a race secretary's dream to have them all late coming within a length or a half a length finishing at the wire. But, you know, then you got to make your horsemen happy because you certainly want to keep them around and keep them entering. And it's it's always and, – and I'll tell you one thing, and I've worked in the race office uh, certainly throughout my career – you know, it's you never know what hand you're going to be dealt on a daily basis. No, you don't. You don't. You're absolutely right, Mike. You don't. So it's it, it certainly can be tough that way. But, Karen, real quick, before we let you go, I, you know, we're kind of asking everybody for the derby picks. You got anybody you like in the derby? Oh, gosh, that's Rich Matei. You got to ask Rich that question. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's optimistic. So you're basically, so basically going to go with what, what, whatever Rich tells you to go with, right? I'm going on. I'm going on what Rich says. I yeah, I yeah, I am totally lost when it comes to handicap and uh, thoroughbreds. You know, I pick the prettiest horse on the track when we go to Saratoga every year. So <laughs> there you have it. You know what? I, I will be rem, I will be remiss if I didn't mention before we let you go that your husband's also in the industry as well. Tell us a little bit about what your husband does at Freehold. My husband is in the industry. He's great. Yeah, he's uh, he's a track maintenance man here. So he ha he also wears many hats. You know, he does the building inside with the engineers and all his men, and then he uh, he does take care of the track, um, which you know kudos to him because our track has been excellent um you know and as you know uh you know it can get tough in the winter times you know and we haven't had the winters have not been kind to us <laughs> no, but yeah he's don't. retired yeah he's retired mike was a driver trainer he was actually the leading driver here uh, back in the 70s um so we've both stayed in the industry just gone to a little different directions Fantastic. Well, listen, Karen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. We'll let you get back to work. We know those phones are going to start ringing off the hook. It's a, obviously a big weekend for you guys with the Dexter Cup and all, and we certainly appreciate you joining us, Karen. Best of luck to you in the future. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great day. All right. That was Karen Fang. I thought you said she was nervous. She was a pro. I know. She nailed it. She was very, very good. As a matter of fact, next time I, you know, Mike Carter's on assignment, you have her. You might, yeah, you might have to go to the third string, my friend. You might have to go back to third string quarterback. That's a good race, so sad. It is. It looks like a good race. It's going to be a fan. It always is a good race. Yeah. 
you know, always some uh, good talented trotters in that particular race. Well, speaking of good talented paces and trotters, we've got a brand new series coming in the state of Pennsylvania that we'll be seeing throughout uh, the year at not only the Downs of Mohegan Sun Pocono, but at Harris, Philadelphia. And we're going to learn more about that with uh, the Pennsylvania racing guru, another Hall of Famer. Jerry Connors, and he is on the other side of this timeout. Plus, Jim Miller from Hawthorne is going to be joining us a little bit later on, as is our good friend from the Meadowlands, Dave Brown. We're going to talk a little Hannah Lore Hanover, making her return to the races in 2018. We've got post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Excitement. Keystone Velocity in 147 and 3. That's a new track record. Competitive racing and full fields equal big payoffs. Six roses at 35 to 1. Bang! Soon go the fireworks. Catch exciting live harness racing at Rosecroft Raceway. Two days a week, every Wednesday at 6.40 and Sunday at 4.40. Rosecroft has an industry-low 12% takeout on the pink five. Rosecroft Raceway, we race. At BetAmerica, we don't do promotions only for new players. As a regular player at BetAmerica.com, you can take advantage of several promotions each week. Go to BetAmerica.com slash extra and visit our promotions calendar and find out how you can get double wager reward points on our featured tracks. It's just another reason why it's time to play the BetAmerica way. Show's just getting started. Mike Posich along with the natural Rich Matain pinch hitting for Mike Carter, who's on assignment. Lots left to come on this Thurby edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. But, Rich, we have been graced with two Hall of Famers today. We already talked to one, and here's the other. Our man, Jerry Connors, the guru of Pennsylvania harness racing. How are you, Jerry? I'm a little nervous after hearing Karen. I'm not quite as good, 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 good as her. Well, I'll tell you what, she knocked it out of the park. She was just fantastic on her uh, debut of Post Time with Mike and Mike. But I got to tell you, Jerry, this uh, this series coming up, the Great North, uh, the Great Northeast series. I was about to say Northwest, the Great Northeast series. <laughs> We're not up in Washington or Seattle, where the track will be sloppy all the time. No, it's the Great Northeast series. And I got to tell you, Jerry, I am super excited about this. I mean, it's almost kind of like a George Morton Levy series, but kind of extended all year long. Uh, at least through the summer, through September. And Eastern Pennsylvania is the place to have it. I did a study of all the tracks from Hawthorne to Ocean Downs, and the one that makes out the best in this, as Karen was saying, time where horses are changing all over the place. Philly's the one that's the least affected. Pocono gets it a little bit from Tioga, but they have a lot of people training in Jersey 
that come over. So there ought to be good horses coming from literally from every direction, and they have an opportunity, if they're not in the very top class, to race for $30,000 every week. You know, when we're talking about my favorite, I, I love when you, when the older horses get it on. I mean, the older paces, the older trotters, you know, the older mares. I mean, it just it supplies for some great, great fast racing weekend to week out. And as a matter of fact, we're getting this thing kick-started this weekend. Pocono's got a doubleheader, by the way, on Derby Day. And, of course, we're racing at Ares Philadelphia on that Saturday as well. Tell us a little bit, Jerry, before we get into a couple of the races coming up this weekend, tell us a little bit about uh, how this thing is going to work. Okay. There's three basic classes, open pacers, open trotters, and filly and mare pacers. And this Great Northeast Series guarantees them a place to race for $30,000 for each of the next, it's either 18 or 19 weeks. Whoever has the open pace one week will have the open trot and the, and the mayor's pace the next week. And it'll flip-flop back and forth. So the Chester has, Philadelphia has the trotters and the pacing mayors this Saturday on the special card, next Sunday, the open Pacers will be to town and they'll be back and forth flip-flopping between Pocono and Philly. And with all the stakes, the sire stakes and what have you, that's another temptation for a trainer to put an open horse on the van along with the sire stakes horse. So the usual gang will see some spicing up along the way. All right, Jerry, let's talk a little bit about uh, a couple of the races coming up now. This thing is getting started Saturday, Derby Day here at Harris, Philadelphia, and the Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono. But let's take a look. First of all, it's the ninth race on the Saturday program, uh, going for a purse of $30,000. And I'll tell you what, you've got some fantastic trotters in here. You've got Opulent Yankee, Rock of Cashel, who we just saw win at Harris, Philly, Miladies Monet. I mean, he's made, uh, he's approaching $1.3 million. He's got 50 career wins. Robert Duck's been fantastic. Grace Shauna. These are some quality trotters, Jerry. They are very, very good. Uh, it's not Hanalore Hanover, but there's very few like Hanalore Hanover. And the places, I mean, this this series is designed to recognizes that there is a free-for-all circuit that goes for a hundred or 200000 and not everybody can go there. And sometimes that makes for better betting races because if you have a standout in the high-class races, the one in the class right underneath are often very competitive. Some of these races, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, uh, the favorites could be two to one or better in all of the races this weekend. It's that close. Well, I'll tell you what, I think when you get horses of this quality, and that's the good thing about the aged ranks, is because, you know, there's not really a standout, you know. I mean, you've got, these are going to be, not only are they going to be competitive races, they're going to be fantastic betting races. And you just, you know, we're looking at the mares, Rich and I were a little bit while you were talking, the, the mares race coming up on Saturday at Harris Philly. I mean, you've got Nike Franco. Last year's Betsy Ross winner. You've got Darlin on the beach. You know, Liz Patty's always good. Narita Franco. I mean, once again, I mean, the, the, the talent roster is going to be endless. It is. And the bigger fields are going to make, obviously, for even better handicapping. At uh, Philly, you have that nine post, and you're sort of stuck. And at Pocono, you're way on the outside. 
The good thing about the older horses is that to survive this long and make the top classes, you pretty much have to be versatile. You're not usually a one-style horse. So drivers, of course, will have really good ones who will be able to use their horses when it's best opportune for their chances. They don't have to come from behind. If you insist on doing one thing or the other, you can find your plans uh, ruined easily. You have to, it's a combination of the best horse with the driver putting them in the best place. And, of course, the uh, race at uh, the Downs of Mohegan Sun Pocono coming up uh, on Saturday is uh, what's the Van Rose Memorial Invitational. These are the Pacers. Uh, these are the uh, the boy Pacers. And uh, you've got Wakazashi Hanover, Dr. J. Hanover, Barima, who just had a wonderful article written on him on the USDA. Of course, Boston Red Rocks, a horse that uh, is a Breeders' Crown champion. Uh, so, once again, some great racing. But, uh, Jerry, I think this is worth repeating. Uh, a couple of things worth repeating about this. Once again, you do automatically get points for racing in this series, and I think that's going to be a big, uh, you know, an influencer to to try to get some of these horses back, right? I think that it is, and I think that using the style that the Levy put in, you get points for starting as well as points for a good finish that a horse that is consistently there might make second or third many weeks if a horse tries to cherry pick in the series, he might find himself on the outside looking in when it comes time for the final because those 25 points for starting can make up for a couple of wins pretty quickly. Certainly. And one more thing I think that's worth repeating once again, uh, how much are the finals going to go for in the, in the finals are in September, you say, right? The finals are on the Sunday of Labor Day weekend. They go for 100000 They're at a mile and a quarter, so there might be some world records. We'll have to look those up. And it's on Million Dollar Sire Stakes Night for three-year-olds. So that's going to be one of the best cards of the season up up at the mountain track. And I've already got my bid in for looking up the world records. I know what all the mile and a quarter track records are throughout Pennsylvania. I'm probably going to write over to Europe and see if they have anything for 2011 meters. So we'll be prepared for to properly evaluate what kind of performances we'll see that night. Fantastic. Well, listen, Jerry, we're going to probably check in with you in about maybe a month and a half, two months towards the middle of this thing, because we want to obviously get updated on where the, uh, where the points lie and who's doing good and who's doing not so good. But this is a great thing, Jerry. I'll tell you what, I can't, uh, I can't wait. I think this is going to be a fantastic series. I think, uh, I think Pennsylvania hit it out of the park with this one. And I have to compliment you on your judgment. Most people can only take me about every six weeks. So to leave me go for a month and a half, that's probably the thing. One other thing that I noticed, I know that I'm getting old, but I'm very lucky. I know everybody that's on the program today that you've mentioned and will be on. So I've had a good life. I enjoy it. I enjoy watching these horses. Look forward to it all summer with Post Time with Mike and Mike. All right. Thank you, buddy. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll check back in with you in a, in a couple of months or so, Jerry. Very good. Thank you. And good luck, gents. All right. That was the Hall of Famer, Jerry Connors, the walking encyclopedia of Pennsylvania racing. I'm going to tell you what, this thing's going to be good. Yeah. This is going to be good. And whenever you get the older paces, the older trotters, the older mares, and you get them in a continuous series like this, it's going to be good. I'll tell you what, it's going to attract them. It's going to attract them. That mile and a quarter is interesting, That's too. That's going to be good. We always talk about 
distance races here. It's going to be good stuff. Speaking of good stuff, we got our man from Chicago, Chi-Town. He's an hour behind us. He's in the central time zone. Our man, Jim Miller from Hawthorne. They're getting ready to open up their spring slash summer harness racing meet, which means track conversion. That's always a popular thing when you talk about Hawthorne racing, and I believe they're the only ones to do it now. Did you ever watch that video on YouTube oh, where they changed great. the track? Oh, I, 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 honestly, I've watched it about 10 times. It's really, cool. it's awesome. If you haven't checked it out, go to YouTube and, and type that in the search. That'll get you right to it. But uh, we're going to take a really quick time out. When we come back, it's Jim Miller on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Join us for the Diamond Creek Farm Open House coming up on Saturday, June 2nd, starting at 11 a.m. Family-friendly activities include raffles, hayrides, food and drinks, meat cute foals, and much, much more. The Diamond Creek Farm Open House, located in Wellsville, Pennsylvania. For more information, visit us online at diamondcreekfarm.com, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. It's the Diamond Creek Farm Open House, Saturday, June 2nd. Second at 11 a.m. Be there. Over the past 25 years, Hoosier Park has revolutionized harness racing across the nation. The action returns Friday, March 30th, with racing every Tuesday through Saturday, starting at 6:30 p.m. Join the revolution at Hoosier Park Racing and Casino. Visit HoosierPark.com for more information. We're back in Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Posich, along with an natural ranch, uh, Rich Ranch. Matei. <laughs> And shitting for Mike Carter, who's on assignment right now. Let's bring in our man from the central time zone. His name is Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse. Jim, always a pleasure, buddy. How are you? Well, thanks for having me on, Mike. Uh, nice to follow Jerry Connors. What a great man. That guy knows pretty much everything about the sport. So very cool stuff. But uh, we're getting excited for the uh, start of our meet. And I got to ask you, and I believe that you guys are the only track in America left standing that does the conversion from harness to thoroughbred to harness. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah, we're the only ones in, in, in the United States that are doing it. And I, I think Century Downs may be doing it for their meets, but that's, that's it. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah. it, it, it's, a, it's a huge amount of work, but it's something where, where with the situation we have in the state of Illinois, there's only uh, two tracks in the northern part of the state left standing. So you want to keep a breed alive, you, you really have to put the work in, and, and we're definitely doing that. Yeah, absolutely. No question about it. Well, you guys have obviously have got a lot coming up. I know you guys are, are throwing the book at him, so to speak, when it comes to Derby. So let's start there. Tell us about some of the Derby uh, stuff you guys got going on. You know what, for us, it, it's really a fun day for Derby because we kind of change things around a little bit for our post schedule just to work around the Derby schedule because with the Kentucky Derby going off right about 545 Central time, we moved our first post time up. We're going to go at 630 at Hawthorne on Saturday night, and then we have a nice 12 race card to take place during the evening. But throughout the course of the day, a lot of different events. We're going to have the drivers out there handing out programs to the fans. We're going to be giving some jog cart rides on the racetrack throughout the course of the day. We're going to conduct qualifying fires that afternoon just to keep the interest of the fans that are there watching the simulcast to let them know hey there's racing right after the derby and then we're just gonna belly kind of right up to the uh, end of the kentucky derby coverage and kick off our card and look forward to a good evening of racing 
That's fantastic. And tell us a little bit about uh, as we go on in the meet. What uh, what are some of the things you guys got going on at uh, at Hawthorne as the meet progresses? You know what? This is a fun meet just because of the fact that everything's kind of condensed from what you had for what used to be a year-round circuit and you could space things out. Everything really has to tighten up quite a bit. So you have that stakes program in Illinois that ends up with Night of Champions at the end of September, but we have four legs of those races that we have to fit in prior to that. So really things are spaced each and every month throughout the course of the year. We get the Cardinal and Violet races early on in the year to get the three-year-olds going and then give some of the older horses the chance to earn some purse money early on. And then we kind of lead into the fair circuit because we operate the state fairs in Illinois as well at Springfield and DuCoin. So you get those horses ready for those races, and then you close things out at the end of September with Night of Champions. But you really get to see that progression of these young horses that are just getting started right now. Watch them mature as they go through the course of the summer, and it really culminates in a very nice event at the end of the year. You're dishing out over a million dollars in uh, purses in just one night. And that's the thing, Jim. I mean, from a handicapping point of view, and, and Hawthorne is always one of the most fun meets to handicap harness-wise. I mean, you've got that quarter of a mile stretch. Boy, it's had a long stretch. Oh, my goodness. When I got up to the announcer's booth and I was pinching for Peter, I looked down, I'm like, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? I need a telescope to see him. But uh, it always makes for exciting racing. It's always very competitive, and you get your you get your share of prices, price opportunities, and I think that handy, as handicappers, that's what, you, that's what you look for is value. Now, Jim, Jim, you've got harness horses coming off of a couple-month layoff. How do we attack this thing handicapping-wise the first couple of days of the meet? Yeah, and that's the hardest thing that you really have to look to early on, and I think a lot of the ways that I'm looking to it is those horses that have a fitness edge. You do have a lot of barns that have been racing either out east or getting a start or two. Over at Hoosier Park, those horses are going to have an advantage. We've had a couple of weeks of qualifiers hosted down at Springfield at the fairgrounds, so you can give those horses a little bit of a look as well. But these horses that haven't raced since the winter meet or even going back to last fall and maybe just have one qualifier, I'm going to give them a start or two just to kind of get back into the uh, fitness range of things to catch up with some of these horses that have been racing. But really what I've seen is a lot of these horses have been going over to Hoosier Park, maybe grabbing a start there at Hoosier and then coming over here and they're definitely going to have that edge early on yeah that's certainly a good handicapping angle really quick jim before we let you go we've been asking everybody for the derby pick who do you like in the derby you know what i'm going i'm going with good magic on top i don't think you're going to get anywhere near 12 to 1 so i'm going to look to good magic but give instilled regard a look at least in your gimmicks the horse is 50 to 1 in the morning line i think going to be an even bigger price and the only reason i say give the horse a look is i think pace completely falls apart this horse should be able to run on late, maybe sneaking underneath in your gimmicks. Fantastic. Well, Jim, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. And really quick before we let you go, once again, uh, what's the schedule for Hawthorne Harness this year? What nights can we look for you guys? We're going to be racing uh, Thursday through Sunday. This week we just start out Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but then after that Thursday through Sunday each and every night, uh, 7.05 p.m. and then Derby Day this week, a special 6.30 post. All right. Well, listen, buddy, we really appreciate you joining us. Pete doing well. He's doing very well. Yeah, he, he, he's he been great. Could, couldn't be better. He's been doing very well. That's our guy. All right, Jim, we appreciate it. Good luck this meet, my friend. All right, you got it. Thanks, Mike. That was Jim Miller. I'll tell you what, what a Jim is top shelf. I had a chance to work with him that, yeah, what, that couple months there? Yeah. Top shelf guy. Pete Galassi, top shelf guy. Everybody at Hawthorne. The carries just really, really good people. It's good to see that track have success. You know, it's good to see that track do what they do and, and continue along because, as we know, the uh, political environment uh, in the state of Illinois is not the greatest. No. 
you know, when it comes to racing and, and you know, back and forth with the slots. I mean, it's another state. They've had the machines, I mean, locked up, so they say, and last minute it gets nixed. Yeah. But Hawthorne continues to trudge on, and I give him all the credit in the world for doing that. All right, let's see. Dave Brower is our man. He's coming up next in the Meadowlands. And I'll tell you what, it's not only Derby weekend, but it is the return of one of the best trotting mares of all time. Hannah Lore Hanover, and she has got the go from post 12 in the Cutler. Boy, that's going to be quite an assignment for her 2018 debut. Is she up to the task? We'll see what Dave Brower has to say. You've got post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. Retrain, rehab, rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. We're back on most of the Mike and Mike presented by Fed America. Mike Burgess along with an actual Rich Bethane pinch hitting for Mike Carter. And right now it is time to bring in one of the best broadcasters the sport of harness racing and the sport of horse racing in my opinion has ever known our guy dave brower dave how are you buddy i'm doing great mike uh, great to be with you on this uh, thursday morning i just want to let you know one more thing you, you left out another top shelf guy out there in uh, illinois there don't forget about tom Kelly, who's kept that program kind of running smoothly so to speak out there so we want to give him a little bit of love too but as uh, it's always great to talk to jim miller see him on tvg and stuff like that and listen to those calls from Pete Colossi. So good good call on the top shelf call. Yeah, I'll tell you what. There's some good people out there in Illinois. I mean, and they are fighting an uphill battle. They've been yeah, fighting an uphill are. battle for quite some time, and they just continuously get it done. And uh, I'll tell you what, to, to you know, for Hawthorne to put their neck out like that and to basically save harness racing, to spend the money on the track inversion. And I'll tell you what, Dave, we both know track inversion's not a cheap thing. No, no, and we used to do it regularly here at the Meadowlands for many years when we transitioned over to the thoroughbreds around Labor Day and then back to Harness in uh, in December. But uh, you're right. I mean, you know, a lot of people don't realize what you know the costs that are involved here. But uh, thank God they chose to go that direction, and it gives a uh, gives a lot of good people a place to race. Let's put it that way. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, the Meadowlands has got some great racing coming up uh, this weekend on Saturday night in particular. And of course, Saturday is Derby Day. Before we get to the actual nuts and bolts and the X's and O's, Dave, why don't you tell us uh, what we can expect if we uh, attend the Meadowlands coming up on Derby Day? Well, we begin our championship meet on uh, tomorrow night, uh, which, of course, uh, $8.5 million worth of stakes purses now through uh, the first week of uh, August, uh, culminating with Hamiltonian Day. And we've got a couple of pretty good ones coming at you right off the bench here uh, on Saturday night. We've got a 12-horse Arthur Cutler Memorial coming at you in the seventh race. So, you know, that'll uh, test the handicappers out there. And you you did and teased the Hanalore Hanover's 
reappearance off the bench. But we've also got a few other testers, two divisions of the graduate. Now, all three of these races are going to go the added distance of a mile and an eighth. They're all overflow fields. They're all full on full of good horses here. So lots to do this morning for me between running lines and trying to handicap and uh, pick out a winner or two, but I'm looking forward to it. And I just hope the weather cooperates. We're, we're dealing with a little bit of a heat wave here in New Jersey, 90 degrees today. It's going to dip into the seventies tomorrow. So that'll be more comfortable. We do have a chance of thunderstorms. Let's keep those away guys. Guys, come on. We, we, we want to fast track for these races. <laughs> you know, as the weather gets warmer, uh, there's been a kind of a long time theory from people following the Meadowlands because, you know, when the weather's cold, they wager on the Meadowlands a certain way in terms of track bias. But now as the weather warms, what are we to look for? Are we to look for anything different in terms of whether speed's holding up or whether closes are doing better? Well, I would have to think that speed stretches out when it's warmer. Um, you know, that that's always been the case over time. Uh, last Saturday night, we had a, just a really odd kind of sloppy track because, uh, you know, it, it rained pretty much the whole night, and you had that uh, hard surface uh, going forward, and it really wasn't kind to most of the speed horses. So, you know, when you're handicapping this based on last week's races, if you know, if anybody was up near the front, you know, and, and did well, then, you know, add a couple of points there. But going forward, like you said, as it warms up, you know, speed gets faster, and it's harder to make up ground. So some of those closers might have been sweeping the field here during the winter. Uh, they're facing an uphill task here from now on. Dave Brommer from the Meadowlands joining us. Dave, let's get into some X's and O's on this Saturday night program. Hanalor Hanover on her return, uh, and she is drawing post-12 in the Cutler Memorial. It's, uh, it's a very interesting race. I mean, you've got a lot of talented trotters in there, and you know, I think the 12-post is tough on any horse, let alone a horse that is, is making you know, the first start of the year. How are we to kind of play this one? I mean, do we kind of got to watch the board and just see if we can get any value, or do we bet against her? How do we handle this? Well, I'll tell you, let me give you a couple of things here. First of all, Hanalore Hanover is liable to go off at the biggest price she will all year in this race. Now, what, what, what helps her a little bit is the added distance, guys. So remember, they're going to start this race as soon as they swing into the stretch here. Now, she has post-12. So that gives Yannick, you know, an option. He can settle in behind the two, Bombo Lindy, who was traditionally a slow starter. And, or he could, you know, maybe even slide out to the 13 hole behind Sutton. But if, if, if the race settles early and she can get out, then, you know, she can brush to the front effortlessly. And, and, and that would be the game plan. That, that would be the ideal scenario for her. Now, there are some, you know, some pretty good horses in here, too, that have a whole lot of speed, like Crazy Wow came up with that superb effort in the preferred uh, last week right off the bench and he did it from off the page you know he flashed a little bit of speed got shuffled got out and then of course charged home you've got t-rex twan blue rex who's drawn the outside post here is two for julie miller Corey callahan's going to sit behind him he had a massive qualifier chasing handle Hanover. he had just as much trot as she did he looked good and he came back remember when he shipped to this country he was ready right away so, you know, I, I just I just don't see anybody, you know, going on, a, on an insane speed mission here. I think Annalore will be able to get out. Yannick was very careful to qualify her, you know, let her settle early in that second qualifier. Then when, the, you know, when everybody was, was lined up, she moved to the front very easily, and she just powered home on, under her own power. So she's ready. She's versatile. She can do it anyway. And, I, you know, I, I, if I was going to bet the race, I don't think I could bet against her. But, you know, maybe Bumbo Lindy. That would be the only one I would take a shot with. Now, Dave, since you're the morning line odd maker at the Meadowlands, does post-12 change how you would make the morning line in this race? 
what are you thinking you're going to make her at the morning line? Well, Rich, I'm going to, I'm going to start her at three to one. And, and, and simply because we have a 12 horse field that makes it, you know, mathematically a little bit more difficult to, to get everybody in under the, you know, the cap so that it adds up. Now we all know she's not going to go off at three to one. She's probably going to go off somewhere, you know, four to five, even money. I don't know if she'll be that much lower here, but she'll be a favorite. And like I said, here's, here's my prediction. She will go off higher in this race than she probably will in any race the rest of the year. Visiting with Dave Brower. Visiting with Dave Brower from the Meadowlands. Dave, let's talk a little bit about uh, the graduate. You mentioned uh, the graduate, a uh, couple of divisions there. And, of course, filibuster Hanover, I think, is the, is the horse that's kind of creating some of the, uh, some of the airwaves and, and hogging some of the spotlight in that first division. But tell us about some of the horses that, that we can expect to see in that thing. All right. The first division of the graduates will go right before the color. It will start as race six here. And the thing about Philip Buster Hanover, we all remember, he's not the prettiest horse to look at when he's going slow and scoring down. So you've you got to know that going in. Do your homework and remember that he doesn't look good. But, when, you know, when the gloves come off and it's race time, he's pretty vicious at times. And he had one of the most sensational qualifiers I've seen in a long time. He had a two-hole trip last Saturday. He rocketed out of the pocket, and Yannick started him up a little, and he sprinted home at 25-2, and two, guys. 49-3 and three was the final time. I think that was the kind of effort that they wanted him to get him a little bit tight because he's not going to have a start under his belt before this uh, stakes assignment here. He got lucky at the post draw, having landed the two, whereas a couple of the horses to beat got stuck with the outside posts. Hialeah, who won here impressively last week for Jenny Beer, and that four-year-old open, called it the graduate prep. Western Joe got tortured. He's got the 10-hole. We know he's good, but still, you know, whenever you get the 10-hole in any race, whether it's at a distance or not, it's just one more thing that you have to overcome. And you've got an interesting shipper from uh, Canada via Florida. I guess Dr. Ian Moore is bringing, down, bringing up Classic Pro, and Dave Miller opted for him in that race there too. So it's uh, another a son of uh, his greatest horse ever, Shadow Place. Interesting yeah, race. Right. It'll be about tactics. Remember, you know, it's the first start of the year for some of these horses, so we're not going, you know, all the way down to the well, but uh, you, need, you need a couple of good ones to get your season started. Dane, before we let you go, we uh, we got to get a derby pick from you, my friend. Who are yeah. you eyeing? Well, I, I'm just going to say this. My, my The most respected handicapper when it comes to thoroughbreds, Brad Thomas, has rated Justify as possibly more talented than American Pharaoh. Now, for, for those words to come out of his mouth onto Twitter there, it kind of shocked me a little. But I'm not a favorite player in the Derby. I never have been. How about Bill Mott with Hochberg? You never see Bill Mott with a three-year-old in the Derby. It's just not his style. He's kind of taking it easy on this horse, and he's improving with each and every race here. He's in the middle of the pack. He's a stalker. You know, and, and if, you know, if the pace does fall apart, if there's a little bit of insanity up front, I think he'll be finishing. So he's 20-1, and anytime you can get 20-1 on a Hall of Famer like Bill Mott, in a race that he normally doesn't, uh, you know, show up for, I'm in. 20 to 1 sounds good to our pocketbooks, and it'll probably be a little oh, higher yeah. at that. Well, Dave, I'll tell you what, we certainly appreciate you joining us, man, and uh, it's going to be a great night coming up, the championship meet getting started at the Meadowlands, and Dave, it's always a fun time. And by the way, uh, another birthday celebrated by uh, by your Hall of Fame partner. Uh you're talking about Gordon Cybell just celebrated another birthday. Oh, Gary, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you should, it's amazing how many uh, happy birthdays he's got uh, on, on Facebook. Now, Gary's not a Facebook guy. His wife no. Denise is. But, I, you know, I happy birthdayed him on my Facebook page and on the Cal Expo business page. And 
dozens and dozens and dozens of people wishing wishing their best. So fantastic. Well, Dave, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, buddy, and uh, we'll be checking you out at the Meadowlands coming up this weekend and beyond. All right, Mike and Rich, uh, take care. Happy Derby Week. Enjoy the rest of the festivities, and uh, let's bring it on. All right, that was Dave Brower from the Meadowlands. And uh, what, what do you think about the the horse you mentioned? Uh, Hopper? Yeah. I like that horse a little bit. You like him? Yeah. Like bet, bottom bet, of the ticket? I bet him last time. Did he finish second in the Florida Derby? Yeah. So bottom of the ticket we look in here? I'll throw him in multi-race wagers. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to find out more about that in just a couple of seconds. We had a chance to tape a segment yesterday, you and and uh, Mike Carter. So we're going to hear that. And uh, this is all about the Derby. And then maybe we'll talk a little bit about the Derby afterwards as we close in on post time at Harris Philly. What do we got? Oh, about? yeah. Uh, 55 minutes to post. Oh, baby. All right. We'll be right back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Attention all breeding funds. Did you know Pacing for the Cure has a stud fee for scooter program? Your stud fee donations will help those living with MS with severe mobility limitations obtain a scooter and be able to continue to enjoy their love of harness racing. Contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org if you'd like to make a donation. Mike? In case you haven't noticed, Mr. Bill G. has begun pacing for the cure for multiple sclerosis. Join in on the fun and weekly contest on Facebook to guess where he will place in each race. Like and share our page. Great prizes available for the lucky winners. Better yet, come out to the racetrack and watch him race live. Let's start a Mr. Bill G. fan club and start blogging on the journey page of the pacingforthecure.org website. Once again, that's pacingforthecure.org. 12 championship races. The captain, not to be denied. One spectacular night. And Father Patrick got a coast home champion here. Breeders' Crown 2018 coming to the Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono. Pitching up the rail, modern legend there. Foiled again, dead game. Clear vision laid on the outside. Pit Rock on the inside. Photo finish. Foiled again at Pit Rock together. In one forty-seven and three, that's a new track record. Competitive racing and full fields equal big fields. Six roses at thirty-five to one. Bang! Soon go the fireworks. Catch exciting live harness racing at Rosecroft Raceway. Two days a week, every Wednesday at 6.40 and Sunday at 4.40. Rosecroft has an industry-low 12% takeout on the Pink Five. Rosecroft Raceway, we race. We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. And right now, we're joined by the natural Rich Matei. And the natural Rich Matei is going to take us through the uh, Kentucky Oaks card and a, little, a couple of horses that he likes, perhaps, on the Kentucky Oaks card, as well as uh, the Kentucky Oaks. And then, of course, the Derby card and the Kentucky Derby itself, all coming up this weekend for your wagering pleasure. It's obviously a big uh, weekend in the sport of 
of racing, not only harness, because they've got the Cutler and the return of Handelor Hanover and such, but obviously in the thoroughbred world. And we're going to touch on it. Uh, we'll bring in the natural Rich Matei. Rich, how are you, buddy? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing fantastic. Mike Carter, you're calling via phone, and, and this is uh, obviously a tape segment because you're uh, on assignment. How you doing, Mike? Uh, not too bad. We're ready to uh, dive in and make some money this weekend. All right, let's see if we can do it. Let's uh, talk about the Oaks card a little bit, Rich Matei. It's on Friday at Churchill Downs in beautiful Louisville, Kentucky. I guess the weather's supposed to be good all the way around. So, Rich, talk about uh, a couple of horses that you like perhaps in the Oaks card coming up Friday. Um, the eighth race, that's the Ali Sheba Stakes. You're going to see last year Kentucky Derby winner Always Dreaming face off against older horses here. Um, I'm going to take a shot against him. He hasn't really been the same horse since the Kentucky Derby. And last time out, his first start as a four-year-old, he faced a horse named Conquest Biggie, who he's supposed to beat nine out of ten times. And I guess Conquest Biggie got got one up on him last time out. And the thing that makes me worry about Always Dreaming is that he ranged up to Conquest Biggie and Conquest Biggie literally just shook him off like he was a fly on his shoulder. Um, they're going to bet him because everybody's going to know he's last year's Kentucky Derby winner. He's probably going to be the favorite. The horse I like in that race is an up-and-comer. That's Chad Brown's horse number four, Backyard Heaven. This horse got a huge, huge figure last time out. He got a 108 buyer speed figure. That was at Aqueduct. That was going one turn, though. Um, I think he's just a horse on the improve. Him and the other horse that he was fighting with, Mr. Buff, were 15 lengths in front of the third-place horse. And I just think he, Chad Brown wouldn't put this horse in grade stakes company in his fourth lifetime start if he didn't think he was a good thing. Okay, so that's uh, the voice of Rich Matei. Rich, you ready to go to the Oaks? You got anybody else that you like on I that card? I got con? one more. Okay, let's talk about it. But it's probably everybody's trip horse this whole entire weekend. Now it's the wise it's guy. Race number 10, number 6, Daddy is a Legend. That is in the Edgewood Stakes. She's not going to be the favorite. She'll be the close second choice, I think, in the wagering. Um, Breeders' Cup champion, Rushing Falls, is in the race. But they ran against each other last time. And I actually think the Six Daddy is a legend, ran the better race. This horse broke five lengths slow, was out in the middle of the racetrack the entire way. They rounded the far turn, and this horse made a big, big move at the top of the stretch. And she actually put her head in front of Rushing Falls before tiring and late. Um, I actually think this horse is really good, and I think this horse is a three-year-old filly that we're going to see later in the year take on older turf horses and have some success as the favorite Rushing Fall. But I'm going to take a shot with Daddy as a legend. All right, all right, Ortiz in the saddle. Let's move right along to the Kentucky Oaks. Of course, uh, the big race on Friday that everybody's looking forward to. We're going to start with Mike Carter. Mike, I know you had some uh, nuggets of information to add concerning this race. Go ahead. Well, you know, I think uh, Rich probably saw the uh, horse that I'm going to talk about. I like the seven, Rhea. Uh, her performance in the UAE Derby against Mendelssohn, who races in the Kentucky Derby on Saturday from post-14. Uh, yes, she lost by 18 and a half lengths, but she was driven well in the stretch and looked really, really sharp. Uh, she won the UAE Oaks uh, with no problem, and I think that she could definitely provide a little bit of value. My only concern here is uh, rider-wise, uh, Drayton Van Dyke will pick up the ride. Okay, Rich? Um, I'm going to go with take a shot. The 14 Monomoy girl is definitely a horse to beat, but she drew post-14. And then the 10, the second choice, Midnight Bisu. She made a huge move in the Santa Anita Oaks. 
and she won that easily, but I don't know what she faced out in Southern California. Uh, I'm going to take a shot with number two, Coach Rocks. Uh, last time out in the Gulfstream Park Oaks, this horse looked like she was going to be second, but she grinded her way to victory and actually went by another horse in this race, Take Charge Paula, actually pretty easily in the final 16th and a mile, and she started opening up. And what would it be like for Rick Pitino, who got fired from the Louisville Cardinals, to win the second <laughs> biggest race in Louisville in the Kentucky Oaks? He owns a part of Coach Rocks. Well, that would certainly be interesting. Let's move along to the Kentucky Derby Day car on Saturday. Get your bankrolls, fire up. It's going to be a long day of racing uh, on the Kentucky Derby Day. And let's turn it over to Richard Matei, who's got a few that he likes on the Derby undercard. Rich? There's only one I'm really interested in. Okay. And that is in race number 10. That's the Pat Day Mile. That's a war in itself. And I really like the 11 sporting chance. He's cutting back to a one-turn mile. This horse did not want to go two turns. But you got to get three-year-olds. you got to try to get to the Kentucky Derby. And this horse actually ran decent in all three of his starts routing when he has distance limitations. Now he gets back to the mile. Last time you saw this horse at a one-turn, this horse won the biggest race for two-year-olds at Saratoga, and that was the hopeful. And even, two, and even in his second start, he was in an absolute duel with a heavy, heavy Todd Pletcher favorite, and he just put him away. I think that horse actually finished last in that race, and he went on to win by two-and-a-half lengths. So sporting chance, getting back to the one-turn. He's going to show some speed, and I actually think he's a really nice horse. All right, let's take a look at the big one, the Kentucky Derby, coming up on Saturday at Churchill Downs. Mike Carter, what do you think? You know, this is an interesting race from a lot of different aspects, and I think you can go any way, but I'm going to stick with good magic and give Jose Ortiz a chance. Uh, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Champion uh, from last year finished third in the Fountain of Youth. Not sure that he uh, he liked the Gulfstream Park surface. He went back to Keeneland, raced in the bluegrass, and uh, won uh, pretty handily. Obviously, I think everybody is going to be probably betting <clears> – <throat> Um, justify in this race, uh, justify entering the Kentucky Derby three for three, having not won a race by less than uh, three lengths. Uh, picks up the man Mike Smith, uh, Mo Money Mike Smith. He's the uh, he, he's always in it when the chips are down. And another horse I think uh, can potentially hit the ticket, and I think uh, people are probably going to think I'm nuts, including uh, the natural Rich Mate, is the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf winner uh, Mendelson. I think he's going to be somewhere on the ticket as well. All right, Rich. Um, I always get cute in the Kentucky Derby, even though the last five favorites have won. The horse I actually like is 12, number 12, Enticed. I actually made a future bet on this horse, and the sad thing is he's probably going to go off higher than what my future bet was worth. Uh, he ran huge in the Gotham. He actually really ran that day. He beat a decent horse in old-time revival. He got a decent number in 95 buyer speed figure. I know he's going to have to step up off his last two races, but last time his race is better than it looks. Old-time revival was loose on the lead, and he went wicked fractions, and enticed was the one chasing him. And I think that's the toughest thing to do in thoroughbred racing is when you're sitting second chasing a horse who's clear on the lead. And um, I know Vino Rosso beat him, but there was a little bumping in the stretch, and 
I think him losing by three lengths, I think if they didn't bump in the stretch, he might have lost by a length or a length and a half. I think this horse is actually pretty okay. And he has a win at Churchill Downs. He won their biggest race for two-year-olds last year in the Kentucky Jockey Club. You know, guys, watching TVG, it seems like Vina Rosso is like the wise guy horse. A lot of people were picking that horse, and and uh, I don't know. He's got an outside post. Rich, can you can you say anything about Vina Rosso? I know we'll get the distance. No. I don't know how fast we'll get the distance, though. <laughs> he will get the distance. We just don't know if he's going to finish 17th or not. He's a weird horse because he likes to run in spots, and last time... He actually ran the whole entire mile in an eighth. Um, when he goes around those far turns, though, there's just something about him. He, like, stops a little bit. And they all said after the Sam Davis and the Tampa Bay Derby, they were all disappointed in him, and then he comes and wins the Wood Memorial. So I don't know what to do with him. Okay. Well, Mike, what kind of, uh, as far as how to bet this race, Mike, what, what are you going to do as far as how to bet? I mean, you've got this, you know, this 20-horse demolition derby. I mean, is this something where we take a shot and try to uh, go for some big money? I mean, playing supers, high fives or something like that, or is this something that you just want to keep nice and simple with win play shows and exact the wages? You know, I think you keep it nice and simple with uh, an exacta, you know, maybe something light-wise the trifecta. Box up a few horses uh, and see what kind of happens. Uh, obviously, you have to use some bombs. Uh, last year, Superfecta returned 75000 with always dreaming winning the Kentucky Derby as the favorite. So I think uh, if you can catch the right horse underneath, um, you know, it could present a lot of value to you. I did have a question for Rich, actually. Rich, how important is it for some of these horses to have experience over the Churchill Downs Um, It helps. Churchill Downs is different than, well, every track's different, but it actually does help. Okay, Rich, how do you play this race? Are you going to go simple or are you just going to go, I mean, you're just going to lock and load with that whatever bankroll you have by the time that race rolls around? Um... <laughs> Usually I like playing exactors and trifectas, <laughs> and I like finding horses that I don't think can win the race, but I know can hit the board. Yeah. Like, a horse that interests me, besides the horse I picked, is the two, Free Drop Billy, only because Dale Roman said he's putting f promises fulfilled on the lead, and one uh, trainer says they're putting a horse on the lead. In the Kentucky Derby, they go fast as it is, so I think there's going to be a lot of speed in this race. And Free Drop Billy, who's actually also trained by Dale Romans, I th he always puts in a late run. So I might fool around with him with maybe the three or four horses I like okay. and key him with the horses I like just because I know he's going to be putting in that one run. He has post two. Yeah. I know he's going to need a real good trip and get lucky, but he always comes running. And I want an honest horse in the Kentucky Derby that always shows up. All right, absolutely. Anything else, Mike? No, I think that's it for me. All right, Rich. Anything else to add to uh, what we just uh, recipe that we just conjured up? Um, if Justify wins, he'll win the Triple Crown. Ooh! If Justify wins, he'll win the Triple Crown. Bold, bold statement by the natural cool. Rich Matei. I was not impressed with that Santa Anita Derby. I, I, I he was more workmanlike, and we talked about it over the phone after the race. Yeah. We thought Bolt Doro actually ran the better race chasing him. Absolutely. All right, uh, guys, we appreciate it. And when we come back, we'll wrap this thing up on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America.
You're tuned in to the Bet America Radio Network. Host Jason Bean brings you new shows every Monday through Friday. We bring you the best personalities from across the racing world with extensive interviews, commentary, news, games, and more. The Barn is revolutionizing what horse racing radio can be. And you can hear new shows at BetAmerica.com or just search Bet America Radio Network on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. Get in the Barn. We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with the natural Rich Matei. A great Derby segment right there. A lot of insights supplied by the natural Rich Matei. And Rich, before we let you go, we're not going to let you get off that easy. We're going to talk a little bit about some of these uh, horses uh, in Kentucky Derby number 144. 144. Were you around for the first one? Yeah. Oh, were you? Okay. All right. Here we go. Anyway, let's. Let's quickly go through some of this, uh, some of these horses. You've got the big field here. I think you've got a lot of potential long shots as always, even though what it's been the last six or seven years, it's been favorite. Five. Last five years. Okay. Well, let's go starting. Uh, let's talk about the, the Paco Lopez uh, charge here. The one horse Ferenz fire. Frenze. Frenze fire. Go ahead. Derby mount. Um, that's all. That's all you have. Nothing about the horse. He's too slow, yeah. and he's not going to. He's a good horse. You'll yeah. see up at Saratoga when yeah. he can win the Allen Jerkins. He wants to go one turn. Okay. All right. Let's move along to number two then. Number two in the field is Free Drop Billy. You talked a little bit about this horse uh, in our tape segment. Yeah, he's interesting because he always has that one late run and he always hits the board. He's hit the board um, seven of eight starts, and the only time that he. Didn't run that well. It was the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, but he couldn't get in the race, really. Okay. That was the day where the rail was dead. All right, so what do you think? What do we do with him here? Uh, I'm going to use him in trifectas and superfectas. I'll key him with the four horses that I like, because I'm four horses in my multi-race wagers, and I'll just play with him with those horses. Okay, number three, promises fulfilled. He's the speed of the race. He's going to make the pace hot, and that's about it. All right, number four, flame away. Ran good last time out. From post, he had post 11 in the bluegrass, but he's another one that has to be up on the pace, I think. And I don't think he actually wants to go this far. All right. A lot of people are picking the Todd Pletcher trainee audible number five for, uh, for Castellano. What do you think? That race last time out was very weird. He was actually forwardly placed around the clubhouse turn. And as they were going around the clubhouse turn, the pace kind of quickened in front of him. And he lost a bunch of position, and he was in a race where the pace kind of fell apart, not really. He's a nice horse. I don't know if I like him at 8-1, though. We've heard the name Good Magic mentioned by a few of our guests today. What say you? Uh, he ran good last time out, and I know Mike Carter thought he might have not liked the Gulfstream Park racetrack. Chad Brown just said he wasn't 100%. They didn't crank him up. Um the only problem I have with his race last time out is Sporting Chance, only lost by maybe like four legs, and he has distant limitations. So I don't know how good the bluegrass was. Okay, moving right along, race number seven, or race number seven, number seven <laughs> is Justify, and this is, I don't really throw in much commentary about the Derby, but I know we talked about this, and I know the Santa Anita Derby impressed a lot of people. It didn't impress me. No, it was more workmanlike than it was him 
absolutely. Like, he got a big number. He got a 107, but he didn't romp in the race. Like, people are making it out to see him. He is the most talented horse in the field. And like I said, if he wins the Kentucky Derby, he'll probably win the Triple Crown. Very interesting. That's what you said in the tape segment, too, so we'll have to keep an eye for that. So he's probably the only horse that you think can win the Triple Crown out of all of them. Yeah. Okay. Number eight, uh, Lone Sailor. This is a Tom Amos charge. You're shaking broke, your head. Broke my heart last time. And so the divorce he papers. Should, he should have won last time, yeah. and he didn't, and that's concerning to me, and I don't even think he's that good. Okay. Dave Brower mentioned number nine, Hoffburn, for Hall of Famer Billy Mott. Yeah, I like him a little bit. I'm going to use – he's one of the horses I'm going to use. I'm also going to use Justify just in case I'm alive in the pick four and the pick five, and I get a long shot home. I don't want to not have the favorite, and it paid twenty or $30,000, and everybody's like, you didn't have Justify? Uh, Hoffberg's a horse I'm going to use. He did get a good setup last time out, but he's only run three times, and Belmont's putting this horse in the Kentucky Derby. He's usually a conservative trainer. He'll let the horse tell him, and I think he actually thinks he has a really nice horse, and I think this horse could be, if he doesn't win on Saturday, he could be a Travers horse. So down the road. Yeah, he's, down the he's road more right of a down the road, but I want to catch him now. All right, number 10, my boy Jack. He ran in a slow race last time in the Lexington, and he only beat Telekinesis, who's still eligible for a non-winners of one by a head, so I don't think he's that good. All right, let's take a look at number 11, of course, Boldoro, and uh, there's been a lot of hype here, but I think that hype's kind of died down as we get closer to Derby Day, huh? Yeah, and remember last year on Ju- when he ran in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, I said this horse could probably be, like, the real deal, mm-hmm. and he had that wide trip. Um, last time out, he had to chase Justify, who was setting a slow pace. And he actually ran pretty good, and he got a good number. He's improved from two to three. I like to see that. And I don't think he has to chase like he's had to do in his last two races. So I think he can get a good stalking trip, maybe sit sixth or seventh, and actually have make that one run without having to chase anything. Okay, I've heard a couple of uh, people mention enticed as a possible wise guy horse as a, p- a potential long shot. I like, I, that's who I'm going to put on top, and okay. I put him on top in my tip sheets. Um he ran good last time out. He chased a fast pace, old-time revival. I think the saddle slipped on him, but he just took off, and he had to chase. And like I said, that's probably the toughest thing to do in horse racing is when you're chasing low in speed, it's going that quick. And he actually ran really well to even finish second. The rest of the field were all closers, and he was the only one that was up on the pace that still had something left. He's going to have to improve, but. Looking at the chart comment, it says three wide, five sixteenths heard, bumped twice. Yes, he was bumped by Dino Rosso. They actually yeah. looked at that for at least 10 minutes, but they left it the same. All right. Number 13 is Bravazo and Dwayne Lucas. Yeah, he ran good two starts back, but that was a slow pace. Yeah. And last time out, he was just a no-show. But it's Dwayne Lucas in the Kentucky Derby. He already has four wins. He knows what to do when you get here. All right. One of the horses that all the hypes are surrounding after that big win in the UAE Derby is Mendelssohn. I don't like him at all. One of these horses has to win before I can actually say I'm going to take a horse out of the UAE Derby. And me and you even talked about it after the race because a bunch of people could call on my phone. This horse is going to be one to five in the Kentucky Derby. And I'm like, calm down. Nobody's one to five in the Kentucky Derby. Secretariat paid five dollars. Right. The greatest of all time paid five bucks. Paid five dollars. And he lost before that. Sure. This horse was on a speed favoring track that day. He broke the track record. But Thunder Snow broke the track record in the Dubai World Cup. I think there were five track records broken that night. Okay. So the track was just lightning fast. 
he got a 106 buyer, which is right next to Justify. But I don't know what to do with him. The only positive he has, he's a half to beholder, so it's not like he doesn't have dirt pedigree. Number 15 is a horse by the name of Instilled Regard. Didn't somebody mention that on our show? Dave Brower. Dave Brower. No, man. it was Jim Miller. Jim right? Miller mentioned Jim Instilled Miller. Regard. Okay, he said put him underneath. What say you? Uh, he. I thought he had to run better last time out. Right. I actually thought he ran really bad last time, so I'm going to pass. But his LeCompte was good. His LeCompte was actually pretty good. All right. Magnum Moon's a very interesting horse in the sense that a lot of people think that he is still green and the big field will hurt him here. I think he's still green. And last time out, he had such a slow pace that he controlled. And he's going to get bet because people just like seeing undefeated horses. They like seeing ones, which is the most overrated handicapping angle for me, is looking at ones in the program. Because you don't know how the race was run, usually, unless you do your homework. But he set a slow pace. Even the start before that, he set a slow pace. He was up on a slow pace. So I don't know how good he is. He can win the race. But I'm not taking him at six to one. Bob Baffert and Flavion Pratt team up with Salamini from post seventeen. They said they're taking back and they're just gonna make one run. I don't like him. Okay, number eighteen, Vino Russo, and this is another horse that a lot of people are talking about. Yeah, I just think he's a weird horse. He put everything together last time out, but two and three starts back at Tampa Bay. I don't know if it was the track. I don't think it was because he has a win at Tampa Bay, but he would stop and go as they ran around the far turn. Like in the Sam Davis, he started stopping, but then all of a sudden in the final eighth of a mile, he made up like four or five lengths. I don't know what to do with him. All right, number 19, Noble Indy for Don Pletcher and the Florent Giroux. People say that the post draw didn't affect anybody, and I think it affected Noble Indy the most because he needs to be forwardly placed. Yep. There's a lot of speed in the race, and if Florent Giroux doesn't go, he's going to be hung out wide, and if he does go then he's just going to be drilled into a hot pace. I I don't like him on Saturday. He's a nice horse, don't get me wrong. But I think if you have to pick a horse that the post position hurt, it's number 19, Noble Indy. And combatant number 20, is that a toss? He likes to hang. He should have finished second last time out. He just hangs. Yeah, yeah. Racing Magna Moon twice. Lost to Magna Moon. Also lost to my boy Jack. So a lot of L's in that Mm, color. All right. So we got 20 horses in the race. It's time to nail you down. I know you already talked about your pick a little bit on the tape segment, but we're going to hit you up again. What do you think? I'm going to bet Entice to win. Okay. I'm going to use them with Justify. Uh I'm going to use a little bit of Hofburg. Okay. And I'm going to use both the Oro. All right. That sounds fantastic to me. And uh, so how much are you going to put in a race like this? Uh, maybe $100. Okay. Not much. All right. Well, you like to bet the car, too, and you like to bet Friday, too. Yeah. Oaks pick? I like Coach Rocks. Just I know she has to improve, okay. but she's paired up numbers. And usually when horses pair up numbers, they'll improve off of that. And she actually ran down a decent horse in Take Charge Paula, who was also in the race. Fantastic. That was the voice of the natural, Rich Matei. Well, Rich, we certainly appreciate you joining us, filling in once again for uh, Mike Carter, who will be back next week. On behalf of all of us here at Post Time with Mike and Mike, it's a great weekend of racing, Rich. This oh, yeah. is everywhere. Every breed, too. If you're, if, you're, if you're a horse racing fan, this is your weekend. Oh, yeah. This is your weekend. It's Derby. All right. On behalf of Rich Matei and Mike Carter, it's Mike Bozich. We'll see you next Thursday with the first post at 10.30 a.m. Good night, everybody. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I know who I want to 
be home.